Joe, that was great. Wasn't that a great song by Joe? Didn't he do? And we uh, appreciate Reggie for filling in. Wayne is doing a revival in Leesville this week and left this afternoon. So thank you, Reggie. You always do a great job. What would be some questions that you could ask yourself throughout life that would be valuable, that would be important? What about Shakespeare's to be or not to be? You know, I heard that 45 years ago, and I still have no idea what that means. I can't imagine that would be a valuable question to live by. Are you Democrat or Republican? I'm not sure that is uh, a question to live by either. How much do you weigh, ladies? No, I'm just teasing. That wouldn't be a, a good question, would it? No. Well, this evening in Galatians 3, excuse me, Galatians 6, we're going to look at three questions that, that are tough. I, I mean, they're really, they're, they're tough. Uh, they're cut to the heart, but they're right on target. Obviously, they're right on target. They made it in the Bible for a reason for... Uh, for us to use to evaluate ourselves. So tonight, I, I want you to let God evaluate you. And maybe these are things the rest of your days you need to ask yourself or certainly be aware of. And here's the first one. Are you arrogant? Whew. Fairly direct, isn't it? I guess I could have said, are you, do you need to eat a little humble pie maybe? That would have been better. But the, the wording of this verse is really very direct. Look in verse 3. It says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Uh, that's pretty black and white, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty bold. In the word in your Bible, something means to think you're special or godly or wise. Now, everyone's special. What is this talking about here? This is talking about someone who has an arrogance problem, who thinks that they are special and unique, way above everybody and anybody else. If you think you're something when you are nothing, the word nothing literally means a zero. <laughs> uh, that's pretty strong, isn't it? That's, man, that's real strong. He says you are deceiving yourself. You are misled. If you, if you think you're above others... You're better than others and you're above it all. That you have a handle on godliness and wisdom that everyone else doesn't. You've visited Colorado and been partaking of legal marijuana, correct? Verse 1 and 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself so you may be tempted Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Some Bible commentators believe verse 3, if you think you're something when you're nothing, is referring to that person that when someone else falls, someone else stumbles, we looked at these last week, that you think, whoa, look at that rotten person. I knew that would happen. That's not me. That would never happen to me. Or the, the person in verse 2 where it talks about helping people with their burdens or their suffering that's the person who doesn't want to dirty themselves with other people's pains or problems. They're just too good. They're just above it all. They don't want to get dirty. You know anybody like this? Best thing to do is to evaluate ourselves here tonight, not anyone else. Would you agree with that? 
We're going to see that in a moment. Come on, let's be honest. Do you, do you have a little superiority complex? Maybe it's in church. Spiritually, you do. Maybe it's with your academics or your financial resources. God says that we are deceived. It's interesting this word means misled, but if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. It means this is a person who can be seduced to error. In other words, you're misleading. Your misperception of how great you are can cause you to really get in trouble. Ronald Reagan was our president from 81 through uh, 88. Ronald Reagan, when he was a young man, he tells a lot of stories about being a lifeguard. One day, he was self-deceived as a lifeguard. He was sitting in his stand, and, and he was overseeing the river, and the most popular, prettiest girl in their town was in the water. And he noticed she was waving at him. She was waving at him, Ronnie, Ronnie, waving at him. And he thought, oh, she's noticed me, and I am fixing to be uh, connected with the hottest girl in town. As she continued to wave, he noticed something strange. All of a sudden, she went underwater and didn't come back up. She was drowning. She was not trying to get uh, his romantic interest up, and he, you know, she ended up being okay. How many of you have ever had something like that happen? He said, when we think that we're something when we're not, we're headed for a fall. I don't know who said it. I think it's good, but the worst deceit is self-deceit is probably true. Let's do a little test. Do you feel like you know more about football than everyone else in the world? Do you feel like you know more about Rustin than everybody else in the world? Quit looking at people. Do you feel like you know more about Jesus and the Bible than anybody else in the world? Do you feel like that you are the smartest person there is when it comes to your profession or when it comes to cars or hunting or fishing? Friend, let me tell you, you're not only wrong, you're annoying. Henry David Thoreau is credited with saying, the admission of our own ignorance is the first step to education. Isn't that good? First step in the right direction is realizing and admitting that you don't have it all together and you don't know it all. I want to ask you, this is tough, but it's in the Bible. Are you arrogant? Sometimes we're very humble except in that one area or two where we have some expertise, and that's where it is easy to become full of ourselves, isn't it? It's not going to be on the screens, but write this down. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You college students in the balcony and you young people on the floor, let me tell you, be real careful about asking God to humble you. (laughs) The Bible says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Because if you ask God to humble you, you better believe he can do it in like two seconds flat. And you'll be on your face begging God to take his hand off you. This true story. When I was in college... I was passionate about Jesus, and I began to pray, God, 
I want to pray. I want you to teach me to pray. I want you to make me pray. I want you to put a burden on me where I'm praying, praying, praying. I'm not, this is not making this up. A week later, I was saying, God, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> because God said, okay, I, I can make you want to pray. It says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Are you arrogant this evening? Humble yourself. If you read about the greatest people who've ever lived, one of the things you'll notice about these people, the truly greatest people, is they were humble. John Wooden was arguably the greatest coach of all time in any sport. John Wooden coached at UCLA. He won 10 straight national championships in men's college basketball. 10 straight. That, I, I think it's fair to say that will never, ever happen again. That's a guy you need to read his life story about him. He was a wonderful Christian man. Billy Parker, a sportscaster, talked about John Wooden after he died. He said this, he was one of the humblest people I've ever met. He said, of all the famous athletes, all the famous people I've ever met, he is certainly the most famous, humble person. Friend, I want to challenge you this, this evening. A good question to live with daily is, God, am I being the humble person that you would have me to be. Maybe we'll rephrase that. Are you humble? Question number one. Question number two, and these obviously go together, how does your life test out against Christ? You have a little arrogance problem. We're going to humble you in the next five minutes. How do you test out against Jesus Christ? In verse 4, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. Folks, you know the best way to humility is to test yourself against Jesus Christ and his word. And that will keep you where you need to be. Verse 4, when it says test, it's interesting. That, that's a, a word that means a fiery test. It means to scrutinize or to examine. It's the idea of testing the purity of gold. It means to get real, real honest with yourself. Not dilly-dally around, not find a couple of people who will tell you what you want to hear, but to get real honest with yourself, get real honest with yourself, to scrutinize your life and to say, how am I really doing when I'm compared against the standard, and that's Jesus Christ. He says this, test his own actions, your deeds or your toils. Now, folks, listen to me. You and I judge ourselves by our motives and our intentions, don't we? Well, I didn't do that, but I intended to do that. Isn't that us? Well, I didn't come to church and I didn't tithe for four years, but God knows my heart. I meant to do that. I hadn't witnessed to people. I hadn't loved, but God knows my heart. But see, here's what we do. We judge people harshly by what they do. Amen? I judge you by what I see you do. I judge myself by my heart. And God's saying, here, he said, don't be, don't be a hypocrite. Don't have a double standard. Judge yourself against your own behavior. What you do. What's the standard? The standard is Christ and his word. See, we, we judge ourselves by our feelings, don't we? And our emotions. Well, I feel like I'm doing well. I'm trying. Or <laughs> we judge ourselves by other people. That's what he's trying to hit on in this verse. Test, himself, test his own actions without comparing himself to someone else. Now, listen, would you agree with this? You can always find someone worse than you, can't you? 
And that's kind of enjoyable, isn't it, honestly? You go, I'm struggling. Boy, look at them. Flip side of that, you can, you can put your self-esteem completely on the floor by finding someone who is always superior to you, no matter what it is, unless you've got weight arrogance problems. See, God says, I want, you to, I want you to compare your life against the Word of God and against Christ. You go, wow, that will humble me. That's part of the point of the whole thing. Now, here's, here's a key thing. The only way you can test yourself against the Word of God is to know the Word of God. Right? You see, we, we talk about the Word of God. Even a lot of Baptists will fight you that it's the perfect Word of God. I would strongly stand against you saying it is. But the Bible doesn't do you any good unless you're doing what it says. And you've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to memorize it. You have to hear it. That's the only way you can evaluate yourself against Christ and his word. And you cannot divorce Christ from his word. Christ is revealed in the Bible to you and me. Again, you're going to fall short. That's part of the purpose. It keeps you humble. But see what he says here in this verse. He says, each should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to others. See, what God wants us to do is he wants us to know the word, to test ourselves and our lives constantly by what the Bible says. It humbles us. It keeps us on track. But then as we, as we get in the right spin of that cycle, we begin to understand that with the help of Christ, we can be who God's called us to be. Imperfect, but we can be on the right track. And we find pride in, in our joy and our exaltation in Christ and what he's doing in our life. That's pretty neat, isn't it? Let me give you some verses. If you're taking notes, I just want to give you some verses this next week. Maybe make this a two-week challenge to read these every day and to test your life against these. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Let's go 2 through 7. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 through 7. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Again, the only way this will do you any good is if you actually do this. But Matthew 22 is the great, com- great commands, love God, love people. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Let's go to Matthew 28, 19 and 20. That's the great commission. The next, the next three weeks, and then let's go to 1 John 2, 6. 1 John 2, 6. The, the next few weeks, I challenge you to read those every day. And to test yourself how you're doing with those things. Because I promise you, if we can test out well against that, we're doing what God wants us to do. Test yourself. How are you doing against the standard of Christ and his word? And here's the third thing, the third question. Are you carrying your own load? Are you carrying in life the load, the responsibilities that Christ has called you to carry. Verse 5, for each one should carry his own load. Now, here's an interesting thing. Years ago, an old preacher named J. Vernon McGee said, J. Vernon McGee had a radio show, wrote some commentaries. He said he had an atheist 
challenge him that the Bible was contradicting itself because in verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in verse 5, it says, carry your own load. I want to show you an interesting little tidbit how absolutely the Bible's not contradicting itself. Even in the NIV, in the English Bible, it's two different words. But I want to show you in verse 2, the Greek word, it says, carry each other's burdens. Can you show me those, those uh, the Greek word there, burdens, that Greek word transliterated is baros. That, we looked at that last week. Leave that there just for a second, Lindsay. That word literally means a load too heavy for one. It's used in John 19 when Jesus was carrying his cross. I think it's verse 27, John 19, about the cross was too heavy. The baros is a burden that's too heavy for you to carry. In, in your life, whether it's because of a funeral or a financial meltdown, an emotional meltdown, a physical meltdown, there are times when all of us have a load that's too heavy, correct? And we need help. And then, and then God says for us, we help other people carry those baros. It's too heavy. Now in verse 5, the, uh, it says each should carry his own load. Show us the, the Greek word. Remember the New Testament was written in Greek. The English word load. Load is transliterated for Sean there. That word is an interesting word that literally it's the, it's the picture of a soldier's pack is what that is. It's what you should be carrying. In Matthew eleven thirty, Matthew eleven thirty, the word is used here when Jesus talks about take my yoke upon you. My burden is not too heavy. My load is, is not too heavy for you. So the atheist was wrong. We knew that anyway, didn't we? So hopefully that'll just give you a little chew on, but that's some factual uh, things to chew on. Two different Greek words. One's literally a load that's too heavy. The other is the load that you should be carrying. It's the soldier's pack. The soldier should carry his own pack. And what God says is that you and me in life and as Christians, when we're healthy and we're normal, we should be, we should be accountable and responsible and we should be doing the things in life we should be doing, carrying the load that God's called us to, to, to carry. I want to walk you through several things. Let's just let's see how we're doing here. And I dare you to go home and ask your spouse or your parents or your kids. I double dare you parents to ask your kids <laughs> what they think on this. Are you carrying your own load at home? At home. Years and years ago in a planet and galaxy far away... I had a man share with me a very sad thing. He wasn't being critical of his, his wife. He wasn't angry. Uh, I'd known this person for many, many years. I've known him now for, I'm 51, 48 years. Long, 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 long time. And here's what he told me about his wife. He said, she's just not much of a mom or a wife. Had several kids, young kids at this time. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, she just likes to play with the dogs and sleep. <laughs> She's just not much of a mom or a wife. Wow. I think that's what God was saying here. Hey, I like to sleep and I love playing with the dogs, but life's a whole lot more about uh, some other things than it is those two things. Are you carrying your load at home? What, what about at work? Do you carry your load at work? It's so much fun to have to carry somebody else's load at work, isn't it? Because they're a slacker. What about at school? 
What about on your team? It's, it's always great to be on an athletic team, or I'm sure you could apply this to cheerleaders. And you got people that are lazy, uh, that don't put out. You know, the, I love the acronym, Team Together Everyone Accomplishes More. Together is the key to that, isn't it? Are you the kind of teammate that carries their, their own load? What about in your community and society? By the way, griping does not uh, account for carrying your load. I remember reading, this was, this was 15 years ago, a story of a lady, sad story in many ways, of a lady who had, um, as, a, as a young mother, had got on welfare. And she had, raised, uh, she had raised a number of kids on welfare, and those kids had kids. And the, her kids got on welfare, and then her grandkids got on welfare. And someone actually tracked that family over a course of a year, and you and I uh, are helping at the tune of over a million dollars a year to support that family. Now, folks, I, I'm for government programs to help people who need help. And you would be, too, if it's your family or if it's you that need help. I don't think someone's carrying their, their own load when, when they get to sleep till 10 and watch TV all day when you and I work 60 hours a week. Don't be that person. Carry, carry your load is what God says. What about in the church house? What about at church? Let's do this. What if everybody in the church gave financially like you what if they prayed for the church like you what if they came like you now most of you obviously come all the time but just good test what if they were positive or negative like you supportive like you prayed for our church like you do would we sink or would we go sky high you see at some point the church the church it's it's kind of a you, you get someone to come to church who's not a Christian and then they get saved and we want to do everything we can to help them and nurture them. But at some point on that journey, you've got to start carrying your load and then helping other people carry their loads. No question about it. One of the things he was addressing here about carrying your own load happened to be in the church house. What about for the name of Christ in general? Are you carrying your load? Or are you a, a, a light for Jesus Christ at work and in the community? If Christianity boiled down to you and me and our witness and how we did it, how would it be? Would it sink or would it swim? God asked us this evening, are we carrying our load in life? And if we're not, man, we need to pick it up and do it. Pretty direct stuff this evening. Pretty clear I may have muddied the waters, but you can go home and read the verses again and know exactly what they say. So I want to ask you this evening, how are, how are we doing with these things? Don't compare yourself to other people. Christian, let's just start with us. We give the invitation in a moment. Where you're standing or down at the front. Does there need to be some arrogance, confession and repentance tonight? Is there some carrying our own load issues that are not where they should be? How are we measuring up to Jesus Christ and the standard he's given us?
You absolutely don't have to do anything with anything I've said tonight. That's between you and God. But if you're serious about God, you need to be serious about these things. Maybe tonight, Christian, you need to be the first down the altar to the altar. Maybe tonight you'd like to join our church family. You can certainly do that. We would love for you to. And, and if you're here this evening and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, what a great time. There's never a better moment than tonight to come and give your life to Christ. Let's stand.